and welcome to Falter Ego episode 7. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're having a lovely time. Now, um, this episode is uh, going to be titled Unwellnessing Spirituality. And uh, it's been something I've, I've focused on, or what I've been focusing on for a long time, which is just wellness generally as a thing. And uh, my general um, distaste of it, I did a video uh, for Tonightly, I think it was about four years ago, called Science-Spiration, where I got um, Dr. Darren Saunders, you might see him on Twitter a lot, he's a very smart and lovely chap, uh, and he's very, uh, he spends a lot of his time debunking a lot of wellness stuff, um, but I did a Science-Spiration, a video called Science-Spiration with him, which was about um, science's uh, difficulty in reaching the public in a manner that's as effective as um, wellness influencers. It seems a lot easier for a wellness influencer to peddle um, misinformation and lies and fake cures and all these sorts of things than it is for science to get the truth out. Um, there's a famous phrase, isn't there, that um, you know a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth has got its shoes on. And that certainly seems to be the case with uh, the wellness community. And um, the reason I want to talk about it is that in, in launching this podcast, I'm, I'm sort of slightly aware of the stigma and possibly false association with what I want to talk about, which is more kind of practical stuff, um, meditation, uh, all sorts of other things, but also just repeatedly uh, coming back to ego and the fact that us, we, ourselves, the selves in our head don't actually exist in the way that we think about it. Um, because I believe that dismantling ego is a, uh, a great first step and a foundation to, um, improving the state of the world. And, you know, we started out with episode one, uh, talking about satire and how I'm a satirist and how I spent a lot of time making jokes about the news and slowly realizing that um, maybe that's not the only way one can try to make a difference uh, with humor. And in fact, maybe I was contributing uh, to a whole systemic suite of problems um, by fostering and, uh, yeah, fostering ego, encouraging it by giving people content to make them feel good about themselves and to post that and go, oh, let's, you know, let's mock Trump supporters for being fucking knuckle dragging idiots. Um, when really actually empathy might actually be a more successful path forward. Um, it's not as funny, <laughs> which again, we talked about that as well. It's not quite, I don't know what Buddhist standup um, looks like. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm aware that in starting this podcast, that there's the potential for people to go, oh, great, this is another some sort of comedian who's drifted into uh, like just weird conspiracy theories and, and anti-vax stuff. Um, and I kind of want to reclaim, I want to reclaim a bit of space. I want this podcast to be a space for um, people to embrace a little bit of the esoteric without having to wholeheartedly start, you know, drinking kale smoothies uh, and, you know, having crystals, uh, I don't know, whatever Gwyneth Paltrow asks us to do put a crystal up your asshole, <laughs> whatever, whatever she, she says. Cause I think, I think there's a deal. I think 
there is a lot to spirituality that is actually extremely scientific uh, to the extent that I kind of slightly um, balk at using the phrase spirituality at all. A lot of it's intensely scientific. Um, and I kind of want to delineate between, I want to try and pass out what that is versus um, all the shonky stuff, uh, fake cures, the the grift, um, the grifters, you know. Um, and so I want to get into all of that. What makes me sad about all that, the grifting and the, the people, the Gwyneth Paltrows and the Bell Gibsons and the people in their yoga pants, uh, selling you some sort of powder that you put on your cereal or whatever that's going to cure your um, bloody herpes or something is is that I th- it, well it puts people off. That's that's part of that's an in, that's one problem, right? Um, it puts people off who might otherwise find the more scientific uh, parts of spirituality like solid practice meditative practice and other healthy practices that are backed by stuff, um, it, it'll put people off and um, it'll blow them off course and they'll go, oh, no, I'm not getting involved in that. What a meditation course around the corner. I'm not going to that. They're probably going to make me, you know, balance a Fabergé egg on my head that smells of Gwyneth Paltrow's clunge. So whatever, whatever she sells on Goop. But, you know, that meditation might have helped that person. Good meditation does help because it is it is backed by science. But unfortunately, I mean, look, I'm wearing these bloody things. I don't help myself. I'm my own worst enemy. But, you know, you see someone wearing that and you go, oh, it's probably like another Russell Brand type chap. Um, there's a whole lot involved in spirituality that isn't uh, all that kind of wellness shonky stuff. And that's why I want to talk about it because I think, you know, people need to know. Um, it, it, it would be nice to reclaim a bit of space um, so that wellness is, uh, wellness can be all that stuff and maybe we need a new word. Um, but wellness really should be, uh, should be a scientific word. It should, you know, it has the word well in it. Um, you'd think it would be geared towards making you healthy, but it's not. It's more it has become increasingly uh, on Instagram and so forth uh, more of an aesthetic and a marketing tool um, than anything that's about getting you better. But we'll get into that. First of all, I just wanted to talk about why why it works. Like, What is it about an Instagram influencer in their yoga gear um, spruiking some sort of powder that you can buy or if you use, you know, their name, from their channel, um, you'll get a discount on some, you know, a supplement website. What is it about it that works? Why do so many people buy into it? Well, there, there are quite um, uh, scientific reasons for why uh, social media appeals to us in this way. The first is that it feels personal. When you see someone posting daily updates, daily photographs, um, of their progress and they're just taking beautiful snaps of themselves doing their exercise routines and saying, Hey, I just happened to try this protein powder really worked for getting rid of my skin condition and blah, 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 blah. Um, because the updates are frequent and because they have a kind of, uh, lo-fi sensibility to them, even though they're intensely engineered, um, and, um, not at all 
candid. They're very set up and very contrived. Um, they have the, an air of lo-fi relatability to them that makes them seem authentic. And what that does is it makes it feel like you have a um, a personal connection to this person, almost as if they were a friend. Um, and because we're social animals, what that does is it 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 engenders trust. So if your friend recommends something to you, well, you've you've taken time to develop a friendship with that person, and so it's uh, it stands to reason that you trust them. And so if they say, hey, look, um, I don't know about you, but I've tried this thing and it really worked for me, so you should try it. It's like, well, why would my friend lie to me? Because I know them. I talk to them face to face. Instagram and blogging and vlogging and all these sorts of things hijack that kind of evolutionary part of our brain that makes us want to trust someone who's talking to us candidly, um, like I am. Uh, how ironic. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, this video was so, so successful that I stopped people listening to my podcast. It's like, he's right. I should stop listening to him. He does sound like a friend. Um, <laughs> that's really, that could really backfire. Um, I'll have to come across as slightly less trustworthy, do like an evil face or something. Um, but it hijacks that evolutionary part of our brain, which says, you know, okay, well, I have a relationship with this person and they're being open with me. So I can trust them. And that's, you know, that's been well documented um, as a reason why people seem to connect with wellness influences. There's a personal, we have access, we have private privileged access to their lives. And so that engenders a sense of um, trust. The other thing is the sense of um, peer uh, reinforcement. So uh, again, uh, once you start following these people, once they amass followers, there's this kind of self-perpetuating um, economy, self-perpetuating uh, process there, which is that you know you see you see a photograph and it's got two thousand likes on it, and again it's one of these posts you know spruiking some you know, and what was it that Pete Evans had like a year ago that flashing light system that cures COVID. If you don't know who Pete Evans was, he's an, he's an Australian uh, chef who's fallen down a bit of a pal. He, he, there was a, there was a gradual uh, descent in from paleo, which I, I was like, okay. And then he got into, you know, um, now I don't wash my kids. <laughs> and um, you shouldn't eat, you know, anything beginning with the letter F. No, it wasn't that one. That's unfair. Um, but he did, he fell down a bit of conspiracy hole um, and said he had a machine that emitted light rays that cure COVID. Um, wonder how he's going these days. Anyway, um, but once, if he, anyway, if he, the problem is with the internet, right, is it's a, it's a numbers game, right? So whereas face to, if in your group of friends, if you had one weirdo, right, it's normally a group of tight knit group of friends is usually what, like, eight to 10 people say if one person in that group's a bit of a weirdo, they get ostracized and that group, um, doesn't talk to them. <laughs> and that person naturally appears a bit of an outsider and a bit of a weirdo. And you tend not to listen to what they're saying. The problem with the internet is that all of those one in 10 weirdos 
can get online. And once you multiply that by the 2.7 billion people currently on the internet, that is hundreds of millions of people, <laughs> tens of millions of people, who are all the one in tens. They can all form communities and they can all self, um, they can all live in a self-affirming bubble. And so it doesn't matter if what you're saying is absolute bullshit. If you repeat your bullshit enough, you will gather a community to you. And then if I stumble on one of your posts, I will see that it's got 4,000 likes. And this is what I'm talking about, like peer group uh, affirmation, you know. Um, you see that it's got 4,000 likes. And you think, well, they must be onto something because all these people have liked this thing. It's like, no, 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 no. Those 4,000 people have liked it are the 4,001 in tens who should not be listened to. The problem is... Now that they've all gathered together, they have the appearance of legitimacy. So this is an interesting facet of the internet is that, you know, human beings, generally speaking, are designed to live in groups of about what? Communities of like 140 people. And I think they've shown this through, you know, archaeological digs and stuff is that every time a town reached 140 people or more, it would split and so there was always like a natural natural equilibrium. And so there were always groups of 140. Um, and then, of course, once you got into modern agriculture and you could feed thousands more people and towns built up and blah, blah, blah. But so we have this unfortunate, again, this evolutionary sort of appendix that doesn't serve us very well in the uh, new digital age of seeing a community all agreeing with something. And therefore our brains just go, wow, they must be onto something. So there's, there's that aspect to it as well. There's another problem, which is that the internet, uh, and this is where ego comes into it. The internet is constantly offering us the, this sort of Faustian pact of give, offering us um, autonomy or the feeling of autonomy, which we love. Okay. And this is why ego is a bad thing here is that we love feeling like we've discovered something for ourselves or that we've climbed the mountain, we've achieved something. There's a feeling of achievement there in that I, I sorted this problem out for myself. It's, you know, in Maslow's pyramid, pyramid of needs, um, autonomy is in there, you know, this sense of self-efficacy, the sense that you, you figure this out for yourself. That makes you feel really good. It makes you feel proud of yourself. Pride is another thing that's not particularly good for you sometimes. In, it's healthy in some cases. Um, but what the internet offers us is countless opportunities every day repeatedly to feel like we sort of, we found something out for ourselves. There's nothing very sexy or cool or um, self-affirming about, you know, scientists releasing a peer-reviewed journal and saying, this is how it is. And you're going, oh, all right then. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing, um, that makes you feel good about yielding to someone's higher authority. Whereas going on Instagram, finding the people that you connect with personally and going, well, I know the science is this, but um, personally for my truth, my truth, Jesus Christ, for my truth, I've gone, I've chosen to go down this alternative route, this alternative therapy route. Um, it makes you, it's the illusion of control. It's the illusion that you are in charge of your life. 
in all aspects, even medical. Um, being in charge of your own life is obviously important. It's important to have a roof over your head. It's important to feel safe. It's important to provide for yourself. But unfortunately, the internet taps into this ego-fueled, uh, pride-driven uh, thirst for achievement and self-efficacy by now making health yet another province in which you're allowed to kind of figure it out for yourself. Obviously, you can, to a degree, there are things that work for some people better than others, but that, that drive, that desire is something that wellness influences, maybe not deliberately or cynically, maybe some of them genuinely believe in what they're doing. Nevertheless, it taps into that, that yearning we have, that, again, that ego little problem we have. Um, it taps into that, and so we buy into it because, again, we've, it's just another area in which we have choice, and choice is free will, and free will feels great because it means I'm in control of my life. I'm not being told what to do. I'm not being told what to do by some higher power. Um, I'm figuring this out for myself. I am in full control of my life. So there's sort of a, a little cocktail of things going on here. There's the fact that they feel, we feel like we have a relationship with them, that we have this personal connection. When you stumble on a post you that's got 4,000 likes, you are only seeing the 4,000 likes. You're not seeing the 40,000 people who stumble on that and have decided mm, that is a load of guru hippie bollocks. Um, there should be a button for that. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, if you're listening, where is the uh, deranged hippie bollocks uh, emoticon, please. Um, so there's those three things all working together. And yeah, sorry, the third one being that sense of um, freedom, choice, autonomy. You're not having to yield to a higher power. You don't have to listen to the scientists. They don't know everything. You know everything. And that is um, that appeals to our egos, Okay. Um, so that's why wellness influences appeal to us so much. Notice I'm talking about why they appeal to us so much. I'm not saying whether they're right or wrong. I'm not saying just because something is an alternative therapy that you should poo-poo it automatically. I'm just saying this is why those uh, techniques, the photographs, the way they take them, um, that's why they work. Not getting into whether or not they're right or wrong, but that's just something to be wary of. Where you do need to start getting a little bit wary is the fact that the solutions they're offering you are often pretty easy. And weirdly, uh, the solutions they're offering you are things that can be sponsored or sold. That's a bit convenient, isn't it? Um, so for instance, you know, it's always some sort of powder. It's always, you know, use my name to get a discount on this website where you'll have to buy something. There's no one... And the problem with all of these things is that, and this is another reason why they appeal, is that what they're offering you is um, is easy. Um, that's a problem. You know, they're always offering you something easy that you can buy. If you buy this powder, it'll fix you up. If you put uh, these crystals around your bedroom, crystals available from my website, it'll work. Um, if you use my name on this website and buy their supplements, You'll feel healthy. There's never, I mean, this is the thing with um, with meditation is it's hard to monetize. I mean, obviously you can um, you can sell meditation courses or you can write books on meditation. 
Um, or you can set up a podcast that vaguely alludes to it sometimes and get five Patreon supporters. Um, but it's hard to sell meditation, right? It's hard to sell effort. And this is the thing I think it's important to be wary of when you go to these wellness uh, influencers and, and, you know, uh, really, really influential online figures. So often what they're offering you is, is um, something that could be packaged and sold. And that should set alarm bells off because really, um, you know, <laughs> really all of the answers, there are no easy answers. You know, health takes a lot of work. It's exercise, watching what you eat, going hungry sometimes. You know, I mean, that's why I'm always dubious about, you know, oh, it's the all-you-can-eat diet. Well, it's not a diet then. <laughs> like real dieting, you know, take means exercising and not eating quite as much as you normally do and sometimes being hungry and having a gurgling stomach. Anyone that's offering you an easy way out has something to sell, generally speaking. Um, but again, that's why, it's another reason why these wellness um, sites, wellness influencers appeal to people is because you feel like you know them, they're being, uh, their information is being confirmed by your, your community. Um, it's offering you the illusion of choice and free will. And it seems fucking easy. I mean, this is why, you know, um, I keep mentioning her, but, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow selling, you know, a, f a Fabergé egg that you put up your asshole <laughs> rather than, oh, I have to meditate and exercise for 15 years. You know, I would choose the egg. If you said, look, you can uh, either work hard on yourself or for a period of years or just one time you can align all your chakras, whatever they are, um, by putting, by lighting this candle that smells of her vagina, you know, whatever. Like there's always something to sell, um, by the way, um, candles that smell of my taint um, available on Patreon as well. Uh, they won't make you healthy. They'll just, uh, just a conversation piece, isn't it? <laughs> Why does your why does your house smell of a forty year old man's groin? Um, don't know. I just believed him. He sounded trustworthy. Um, but anyway, so that this is why all these wellness things um, work. And what's what what makes me um, frustrated about it um, is that, like I said, it can it can drive people away because they assume they you know. Real work on yourself is hard. It's not easy. Um, but they're offering you supplements and crystals and sign up to my course and all this sort of stuff. Um, when really working on yourself is really, really, really hard. I will say as a mini uh, caveat, just to play both sides, I'm not saying therefore that the only answer is um is always um science i've i've had periods in my life where um what i really needed was both uh and i wasn't given the option so i do i do sympathize with people who think there is a certainly from a pharmacological sense an over dependency on a quick fix um 
which again is where, you know, which is where the wellness people go wrong. Occasionally science can go wrong in that fashion as well, especially, um, especially with mental health, for example. I've, so I've, I've had a few struggles in my life um, with mental health. I won't go into details too much. The first time I tried to tackle it, um, the GP couldn't have written me a prescription quick, quick enough, you know, and sent me out the door. And while that was helpful, uh, it was helpful to a, a, a bit because what um, what medication helped me do was to find um, an equilibrium momentarily. Um, but there was also a lot of sacrifice involved in that. And there was a lot of deadening of creativity and the senses. And um, so the cost of finding where goodness felt um, was too high, I think. And so then I stopped taking it and then I looked for other options. But if, if you know, if, if someone had recommended both, um, bit of medication, bit of meditation, um, I would have got somewhere a lot better, a lot quicker. But again, um, I was put off looking into, uh, I was put off looking into, you know, any, anything sort of spiritual, um, because it felt like it was weird because all these weird people online <laughs> fucking it up for everyone. Um, so I think if, if there hadn't been this fraudulent online grifting phenomenon surrounding um, meditation and yoga and all that sort of stuff, I would have been much quicker to embrace that and I would have had uh, I would have shortened my my years in the wilderness um, by half, you know. Um, but as it stands, you know, I I yeah, you know, I was on medication for a while and I had a really horrible time on it. Um, but the only good thing that came out of it was that it gave me like a uh, a good reference point for what being um, not depressed felt like. Um, so that's that gave me, I guess, a, a reference point I could aim for. Um, whereas without the medication, uh, you're just in it, aren't you? It doesn't feel very good. So basically the gist, the gist of that is, you know, I'm not saying go full pharmacological, but I'm also saying, um, it has its place and it really helped me to an extent. So this idea that it's an either or, or an all or nothing thing, like you can eat, you know, you've got to be in a camp again. This is like a Twitter thing. So you're only allowed to be in one of two camps. You're either like, yeah, I'm pro, you know, uh, antidepressants, whatever, or, no, I'm pro crystals and shit. Maybe there's a middle ground. And the middle ground to me is that space where what it, what is explicable in spirituality through science, meditation, um, fasting, um, cold exposure is really good for your mental health. Apparently that's being researched. It's not just a, co a kooky thing. There is, there is a space in the middle somewhere where you could probably integrate a bit of pharmacological treatment with some uh less with some spiritual stuff but i think we're encouraged to divide ourselves into one of two camps and that's not that's not healthy the other the other thing i think that I, that i want to talk about is and this is another thing that i i think is a shame that will be putting people off uh exploring 
yeah, kind of spiritual approaches to whatever their problems are, health, fitness, uh, mental health is. And again, this happens, this is a flow on effect of um, the find your own truth autonomy aspect of the wellness community, of the wellness aesthetic, is that it seems to have also attracted or seems to cohabit with um, sort of, I guess, what could be described as conspiratorial um, thinkers or thinking or communities. For example, uh, anti-vax. Now, I'm not anti-vax. I've got, what am I on now? I've had two shots and my booster. Um, I'm very happy to have done that. Uh, No reservations at all. And I say that as a bead wearing, vegetarian, uh, whim hoffing, meditating um, chap. Okay. Um, very, very pro vax. And again, this is part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is I want people to know that it is possible to straddle both all of the weird beard, bead wearing shit. Um, I've got a Tibetan singing bowl. I use that every day. I mean, it's all these weird things. Um, it's possible to inhabit that and be pro-science because I see those things as being very scientific. Um, they all work. They've all been backed um, by some sort of science, you know, having a, I mean, the beads haven't been backed by science. That's just a thing you wear to help you meditate. But anyway, um, and I wear them as a reminder to not be an asshole. Um, don't, don't forgo me that. Don't begrudge me my beads. And I think it's interesting that from what I can see online, a lot of the prominent um, guru-y spiritual types who are also into health and wellness, there seems to be a bleed effect from health and wellness into conspiratorial uh, communities uh, like anti-vax, for example. Now, one example of this, um, and I'm not going to put this in the video title because I don't want it to draw attention. Um, This is just for you listening to this. Um, But um, one example of the kind of wellness community, prominent um, vloggy YouTube online personality type that has gone from health and wellness into anti-vax territory is, um, and I think you'll know who I'm going to mention before I've even mentioned him, is um, is Russell Brand. Now, I'm going to explore him right now as a case study I don't have anything particularly sort of personally against him as a person or him as an entity. I'm sure he thinks he's doing the right thing. I don't think there's a malicious um, bone in his body, but I think there are certain ticks and techniques he's using, whether or not he knows he's using them or not. Again, I'm not going to apply uh, malice to his intentions, but. Um, there's something worth exploring there. And again, the, what to me is unfortunate is that there are people who might, the reason I'm doing this is there are people who might look at him and see the guru-y meditative uh, type, but also see that that seems to come wholesale with all this wild shit about Bill Gates and Putin and anti-vax, 
you know, they see those things come to seem to come as a package. Like, oh man, I might I might not do the um I might not get into transcendental meditation then because it's obviously for weirdos. And I, I just want to try and pass those things out. First of all, I think we we talked about this in episode two. I think about the news. Uh, and we also talked about it in episode, I think, five, which is about Ukraine, or was it six? About the news not being good for us and um, that it gets us into this limbic state and that the more we avoid it, the better. And that uh, true change doesn't come from following the news cycle and getting all like jacked up on, you know, cortisol and stress and then posting witty comments on um, Twitter. Um, and really the first three episodes of this podcast series are kind of a trilogy of interrelated things from satire to the news to social media. Um, and I was reflecting on my place in that harmful ecosystem. And I think, you know, Jack Cornfield uh, in one of his books says, you know, if, if you want to avoid delusion, uh, just don't read the news because it, it paints a very um, skewed, disproportionate, negative um, portrayal of the world that isn't true. Most people are very kind. And Rucker Bregman in his book, Humankind, um, talks about the nocebo effect about, you know, if you expect bad things to happen, you will treat people in such a way, you, your treatment of others will take a downturn. And so there's a ripple effect from over-consuming the news that your faith in humanity drops and you start treating people around you with stressy and shit. What I, what I find hard to reconcile is, and this is my first problem with Russell Brand, is his purported, he purports to be some sort of mental health guru or mental health teacher, helper. Uh, and, he, you know, that that is his kind of aesthetic at the moment and that's his persona. He's, you know, he's going to help you uh, with your mental health problems. He's going to help you uh, conquer your anxiety, your fear, your depression. He overly identifies or has heavily bought into the identity of someone who uh, is of the Eastern spiritual thought school, you know. Um, but at the same time, he is absolutely filling the internet with stressy, anxiety-riddled content designed to make you fearful. Um, and just look, I mean, just go to his channel and look at the the thumbnails, you know, the titles for his videos. It's like, they're coming. What they don't want you to know. Oh my God, it's happening. You wouldn't have ever expected this. It's finally coming true. Get under your desks. <laughs> like, it's, I, I don't see how he can simultaneously say he wants to help you with your anxiety and bring us all along with him and also be churning out this content. And it is churning out. It's sometimes two or three videos a day. Um, and really, if he knew his stuff, and he does know his stuff, so I don't know why he's doing this, but if he, if he knew how bad the news was for everyone, he would eschew it. He wouldn't just comment on it. He would eschew it entirely. Um, but he's not. He's absolutely tied into it 
And so every one of his videos forces us to re-engage with what's being said in the news. And as I said, the problem I had as a satirist was that my comedy was constantly tied to the news. But if the news is a bad thing, why aren't I as a satirist um, spurning it? Can't I satirically... There must be other ways to apply my sense of humour to help people get better. It's obviously not by just being myopically focused on the news cycle. I think... I think he suffers from the same problem. I don't know how you can claim to be someone that's trying to help the world become a place of peace and love and um, general calm and well-being and loving kindness and simultaneously be, you know, making six videos about Ukraine in 10 days. It just doesn't make sense that those two things to me are irreconcilable. Um... I can see the through line from a truth perspective, like, you know, meditating and and looking inwards is about recognizing the truth of identity and the fact that we, you know, self might not exist. There's no ego, et cetera. Um, And there's a through, and, you know, Buddhism talks a lot about um, getting to the truth of things and revealing the world for what it really is. And so I can see there's a through line from, from that to, well, the news is lying to you. So I'm going to help you um you know uh interpret it properly to get to the truth but um again i'm not sure i'm not sure focusing on the fact that the news is lying to us is a way of revealing the truth when so much truth is available to us without even engaging with the news cycle in the first place um so that's my that's my that's a problem i have with him is the fact that he straddles these two completely contradictory spaces. Um, I saw a good joke on the internet about him having like, you know, on one, he's got one YouTube channel for, you know, come to this channel to help with anxiety and stress. And this other channel, they're following us. (laughs) This is why they don't want you to know. Oh my God, it's happening. Putin's going to get us all. It's like, you go to one channel to get absolutely freaked out and then go to the other one to get fixed up. It's like he's got a self, it's a perfectly self-sustaining economy. It's a circular economy. Come to Russell Brand for the anxiety. Also come to Russell Brand to be cured for the anxiety. Um, it's an interesting situation. And this, this is where I'm going to insinuate a little bit. And so I could be really off here. I'm happy to be wrong about this. But this is where I start getting... There's another aspect to him where I can't, I can't see that there's not a grift going on and that he is enjoying the attention. And this is where ego comes in again. I think he's latched onto a uh, formula that is getting him a lot of attention and I can't put it past I can't put it past him that uh, I don't think it's beyond him to have become uh, dependent on that attention and enjoying it. If he were really the guru that he says he is, I think he would stop focusing on the news cycle and make one video a month. He doesn't need to be made. Why is he making seven videos a week? Where, where, if Buddha were around today... (laughs) But if he did running a meditation class, 
and also then um, making seven videos a week about uh, how Ukraine is actually about something else. Like, is that is that what it, one seems to undermine the other? But I, so the fact that he's doing it so frequently and that his content production has ramped up, and the fact they have these catchy titles to me suggests there's something going on here and he's where he's detached from his original purpose. But there are some techniques he uses that um, I want to get into and they're not just specific to him. So I don't want to put it all on him. These are things that happen across the internet. They happen to people who are intending to use, either intend to use them maliciously or have no idea they're doing them. And he might fall into that category. But there's a few things he does that's quite interesting and worth noting. The first of all is, is the introduction to his videos. They usually begin with a string of compliments about his viewers and also positions them in such a way as they are the enlightened ones. So it's usually, you know, hello to you brilliant, <laughs> enlightening, awakening souls. Welcome to another video. We're all on this journey together, seeking truth together as one and so already he is building his community up basically if you watch his video and disagree with what he says now i'm not part of that community you know who who doesn't watch who watches that video and doesn't want to be included in the group he's just described again this comes back to the peer group kind of affirmation uh problem which is that, you know, because again, we're social animals. We want to be in the in-group. Um, that's why when we see 4,000 likes on a wellness post, we go, oh, right, well, they must be onto something. I trust that now. Same as when I see Russell Brand go, hello, awakening souls, 5.2 million enlightened. You know, I see that and I go, well, I want to be part of that. Um, but unfortunately, being part of that, I guess, means going along with what he's saying. So there's already a problem there. Um, which is that his introduction kind of surreptitiously stifles dissent um, by appealing to the arch enemy of this podcast series, ego, right? I hear him say that I'm now ill-equipped to disagree with him because I want to be in that group. Okay, so he floods the viewer with compliments and promises, you know, enlightenment, awakening, Um who doesn't want to be part of that group? Um, so that's one thing he does. He, he does a few rhetorical things that I can cover really quickly. He, he, he sometimes says, um, I don't have an opinion about this. Now I could be wrong about this. I don't have an opinion either way. And then four minutes later, he'll say things like, you'd have to be naive not to see the connection here. You'd have to be naive not to think the thing that I think. So there, there's a sort of, and I've met people like this, they butter you up. But now you, I could be wrong. I'm humble. I don't have an opinion either way. However, if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot, <laughs> which is quite, a, I don't know if that's sociopathic. Is that sociopathic, like playing people, um, treating people as pawns? Um, he does that a lot. I've noticed that almost in every video where he'll, he'll prostrate, he'll feign humility. Um, but then say later on that, you know, if you don't agree with my position, there's something wrong with you. Essentially, he has said that you have to be naive. You'd have to be naive not to see 
the dot, 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 which is the thing he thinks. Um, and again, that doesn't to me come across as a very open um, way to engage people in a discussion. It seems open up front, but then by the end of the videos, he's come to some pretty clear conclusions and anyone who doesn't come to the same ones is uh, naive and stupid. But you can have a problem with, so he's, it, there's like a pincer movement there. There's the, the thing up front of like awakening souls where I was like, well, I want to be part of this now. So whatever you're going to say in this video, I assume the things you're saying are the things I need to know to become part of this, you know, to become awakened and part of this awesome like uh, promo that you've put up at the top. There's like spiritual ego appealing promo right up top. Um, and then this other habit of seeming open to being wrong, which makes me feel quite comfortable watching his videos going, oh, phew, okay, but he's not... He's not uh, jamming an idea down my throat, and then actually he is. Um, but the other the thing is, though, you can say he's trying to jam stuff down your throat, but he'll, he'll always have the get-out clause of saying all his videos are about just asking questions. Um, that's a thing he and a lot of channels do. I'm just asking questions. Um, now, I, I have serious issues with people using that uh, as a sort of, get out of jail free card when the, the first the first problem with it just asking questions as an excuse is it fails to acknowledge the fact that asking questions is nevertheless a surreptitious form of communication so a really easy example of this is um you know how much taller than the eiffel tower is my house now that's just a question but Already in hearing that question, you're assuming my house is taller than the Eiffel Tower because I've said how much taller than the Eiffel Tower is my house. It doesn't uh, allow for the fact that actually it's bullshit that my house uh, isn't taller than the Eiffel Tower at all in the first place. It's not a question of how much taller it is. The fact is it's not taller in the first place. But the question in the question smuggles in the premise. Um, there's a premise involved there, isn't there? For that question to hold true, several premises have to precede it, one being that my house actually is taller than the Eiffel Tower, so we can discuss, so we can have the discussion, have the discussion about how much taller it is. Um, you know, the other the other problem with just asking questions is that, you know, you can ask questions about things that then generate a discussion about something that shouldn't really be discussed. Um, I can ask the question, you know, um, how much evidence is there that Russell Brand is a paedophile? Or even just the question, is Russell Brand a paedophile? I'm just asking questions. But now, you know, A, the thought has been planted in your head. So again, questions are a surreptitious form of communication. Second problem is if you ask how much, well, that's how much for a paedophile is he? He's a nine out of 10. Um, how much evidence is there? People are going to start looking for evidence. You know, well, I haven't found any yet. And now it's, it's really hard to prove a negative. Well, he's not. because <laughs> So now it's like, well, but there might be some evidence out there somewhere. Suddenly we're all having a discussion around something that doesn't warrant or justify any discussion at all. Um, and the problem is if, I, if somebody else shuts that down, you can't ask, you can't be discussing whether or not Russell Brand's a paedophile because he isn't. 
shouldn't be asking those questions. Oh, right, I shouldn't be asking those questions. Am I trying to silence my free speech? And now, so now what's happening is now I get to make another video. First, I get to make a video about is Russell Brand a pedophile? Second video I get to make is like one of his video titles, how I'm being silenced. It's like you're not being silenced. You're just asking questions that are harming society or someone. You know, I'm asking questions that are harming Russell Brand because they shouldn't be discussed. So when you ask questions about, you know, um, how much more effective um, is ivermectin than the vaccine, you're already smuggling in the premise that ivermectin is effective at all when, you know, recent studies have actually shown it does nothing. Um, or um, could, could ivermectin be used instead of a vaccine? Well, again, asking that question supposes that, um, supposes that it's, it's effective and that therefore we've got a choice now. Um, so this just asking questions, justification, uh, to me, uh, well, it's just, it's just, it's not something you can use to get around the fact that you're asking. And also the, the other interesting thing is that it always seems to be, it's interesting that you, you can just ask questions, sure, but you can ask a lot of questions coming from one direction. And if you repeatedly ask the same questions, even though you're not actually making any statements, the fact that all of your questions seem to sit on one side is a form of communication and it is a statement and it is an agenda. So you can't get around, oh, I'm just asking questions. It's like, well, you are, but you're, you're asking them all in one direction. And that in itself, you can't claim to be like an agenda-free, like, I don't have a, t I don't have a stance on anything. I'm just asking questions. Yeah, well, why are all your questions on the anti-science sort of side? Why are they all on the ivermectin side? Why are all your questions in favor? Like, could they be lying to us about ivermectin? Well, there you go. There's another question that suggests people are, you know, if you say, could they be lying to us about ivermectin again? It's a bit, you know, could they be, could they try to be covering, are they, how much are they trying to cover it up? They're not, uh, maybe, you know, but you know, you can't just say, I'm just asking questions. Your question is a form of communication. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is when he makes statements that uh, I talked about this in a video I put up on Patreon. I haven't put it up elsewhere called tidbititis, which, you know, tidbit meaning a piece of information. There's this habit of providing pieces of information devoid of context in the hope that providing that piece of information in that way will give it more weight than it deserves. So a good example of this is um, the person who invented ivermectin won the Nobel Prize. Now, that's an interesting piece of information. It sounds quite impressive. Um, but he won the Nobel Prize in its use for something else. Okay, but you've casually dropped the fact that they won a Nobel Prize in the hope that in this conversation that we're having now about COVID, that's somehow going to be persuasive. That's somehow going to make ivermectin seem uh, like a really good option. But actually all you've done is dropped a tidbit of information minus the extra context, the fact that, it's, that it was used to treat, you know, parasitic infections, river blindness, for example. 
Um, but you've you've left that out and just kept the ad hominem like praise of this person. He won a Nobel Prize, therefore the drug must be good. That's a tidbit of information. Um, you know, there's or what's another? You know, ivermectin has worked to kill COVID in cell cultures. Okay. But again, that's a tidbit of information that has no bearing on whether it can be used in people or not. But because you've used sciencey words, you know, oh, it's been, you know, cell cultures and in vitro or whatever, um, it sounds more persuasive than, than it actually is when it's placed under proper scrutiny and under proper scrutiny, uh, it doesn't bear out it doesn't bear the weight of scrutiny. It doesn't bear the weight of further exploration because if something works in a cell culture, that is absolutely nothing, to, you know, nothing to do with whether it'll work in people, you know? So you can say, um, I mean, I'm sure like vast amounts of lethal radiation kills COVID in a Petri dish. doesn't mean that's now, that should now be a treatment. But again, you've left that logic out. You've just pointed to the fact that it works in the hope that that makes your argument, your position, your side look stronger. And one area where I find this really frustrating is in the discussion around natural immunity, uh, which again, he will pull up a study on screen. He'll have the piece of paper. Look, I've got research here, research, facts from a newspaper, um, facts from a study. I'm not lying. It's right here. But you decide, I'm just asking questions. He'll he'll do that and he'll say, in this study shows that natural immunity, sorry that I'm still whispering, by the way, doing this like weird half talking voice. Uh, in this study, uh, it's proven that natural immunity is actually better for you than uh, offers more immunity than the vaccine. Okay, now that might be true, but here's the great thing. Even if it is true, of how much use is that information as a strategy at protecting people from a virus? Because you have just said that natural immunity offers a better defense against the virus than a vaccine. Say that's true. You're, <laughs> what, what are you hoping? What, what strategy are you hoping? What, what public policy are you hoping to affect change in versus a vaccine? Because the, the vaccine is meant to protect you before you've had the virus, right? You've left that bit out. What your, so your strategy for protecting people from the virus requires that they catch the virus in the first place. That is not a strategy to protect you from a virus. Okay, so it's like a very circular argument. It doesn't make any sense. But again, it's this tidbit, it's this dropping of little drip feeding little tidbitty facts. Natural immunity offers better protection than the virus than the vaccine. Oh, so hearing that, if I'm not a very intelligent person, I'll hear that and go, all right. Well then if I yeah, maybe I shouldn't get the vaccine then. If natural's better, what you don't what a lot of people don't do is see through that argument to the implications of it, which is that you've, you've just said your strategy for protecting people from a virus 
is to get the virus you want to protect them from. It's a completely self-contradictory position. Now, if if your argument is about um, vaccine passports and, um, you know, people's liberty to go into cafes and restaurants and stuff, that's a different chat. You know, if, if you say, look, I've, I've been vaccinated and this other person says, can prove, well, I've had COVID in the last three months, that's a different thing. And maybe the person who didn't get vaccinated shouldn't be kicked out of the cafe because they also have immunity. That's a totally different discussion. But often these discussions come up in where the context of the conversation is talking about whether vaccines should be used as a strategy in containing the virus. And, you know, your Brett Weinsteins will come out and say, well, actually, the studies say, I've seen studies and natural immunity is better. Why aren't we talking about this? Why isn't that being publicized? I think it's time to do an emergency podcast. It's like, the reason it's not being discussed is because getting a virus is not a strategy <laughs> to protect you from a virus. Okay. If you want to have a chat about vaccine passports and uh, checking into cafes and stuff, maybe there's room for that chat there. But when you're undermining a vaccine by pointing at natural immunity, I, just, I can't, my, my head cannot bend around the lack of logic involved in that. But again, it's this tidbit-itis. It's dropping a little thing, going, just asking questions, and then fucking off without any concern about the ripple effect of your communication. And this is, this is the problem as well, is that you can go on a YouTube channel and say, I'm just asking questions. But you, someone as smart as Russell Brand cannot, um, he ca- surely he cannot uh, separate or not be aware of the ripple effect of his words. At a certain point, you reach a, a, a level of prominence where you can no longer hide behind, oh, I'm just having a conversation. Well, you're having a conversation, yeah, but you're recording it and deliberately putting it out for 5.2 million people to consume. And then those people share it with their friends. And, oh, you know, I saw this Russell Brand pulled out a study on screen. You know, you're lending legitimacy and people, people don't walk away from your videos and quote the whole video and all the nuance involved in it in conversations at dinner parties. They say, well, look, I've heard that natural immunity is better than the vaccine. Um, and Nessa now, that's another person who might not get vaccinated. Okay. And again, I can't repeat this enough. Natural immunity as a strategy against a virus is as irrational as setting fire to your house to prevent it burning down. Like your prevention strategy includes getting the thing you're trying to prevent. Like it's, anyway, it baffles me completely. So, as with, as with the news we talked about in episode two, with Russell Brand and those types, again, I would just, I would urge massive restraint. And, f- and, a, and we talked about this in the last episode about fasting. Don't consume it every day because it's not, it's not great for your brain. It's not great to be seeing um, Russell Brand talking about Ukraine and they're coming for me. 
why I can't talk anymore. I'm being silenced. What they don't want you to know. Pfizer's coming for you. Like all of that, the, the limbic cortisol fucking stress cycle you'll get caught up in weirdly is, uh, well, I mean, it's awful for you. You don't need it. Focus on yourself, even though that sounds selfish, ironically, by loving yourself, looking after yourself, you'll become a better member of the community to those around you. Um, and that in itself will bring about, or more likely to bring about, a world of um, peace, love, joy, than constantly getting out the bloody cortisol crack pipe and smoking a good old bit of Russell brand um, and just thinking there's fucking conspiracy everywhere and they're all out to get us um, from someone who keeps claiming they're just asking questions when they're, they're, you know, I don't know. And again, it's it's interesting actually. I mean, <laughs> on the live stream of this podcast, uh, which is weird because I'm referencing it as I'm doing it, and I'm having to live edit in my head. I did a little preamble about Will Smith and how everyone is keen to have a deliberately contrarian take for the sake of carving out a little patch of the internet they can call theirs. And I can't help but feel that Russell Brand falls into that same trap of needing. It's just too easy to say that something is bad, isn't it? It's like, you know, Putin invades Ukraine and he has to start making videos about, yeah, sure, Putin invading Ukraine is bad. But, I mean, have you considered this other thing? It's like, can't you, why why isn't it acceptable to you just to allow something to be bad? I mean, we invaded Iraq. Yeah, we did invade Iraq. Yeah. So I can say that's bad and this is bad. I don't know. But you seem to be sniffing around and hunting and hoping that maybe by saying that Iraq was bad, we're not allowed to say invading Ukraine's bad. And then you get some little naughty boy internet brownie points for saying something a bit wild, like invading Ukraine wasn't that bad. Like there's a, there's a definite flirting with controversy there that I, I cannot put it past him that he, he knows he's doing that. Like he's a smart man and I cannot, I cannot but help think he, he knows what he's doing, which is awful because if he does know, if he does know what he's doing in that respect and deliberately drumming up controversy while also conveniently and semantically washing his hands with, oh, I'm just asking questions. Like that is evil. <laughs> If he's doing that, I hope he's not doing that. But there's just this like, okay, look, the mainstream media is saying invading Ukraine is bad. But have you considered this? Look at look at Joe Biden's connections with, you know, some oil companies. I get it. I know. But invading a country is bad. Why are you hoping that people are going to watch your video and think that you don't think that invading Ukraine is bad? You want the attention, I think. Certainly putting a video out a day suggests you want attention. Um, and I don't think it's what Buddha would have done. <laughs> don't think he would have done a meditation course and a here are 50 ways that, you know, the world is lying to you and you should be scared of everything and they're coming for you. Anyway, I've waffled on long enough about this. Um, 
I hope that was of some use. I think in summary, there is a um, an unfortunate cross-pollination and association between wellness aesthetics and wellness communities and um, spirituality. And I would hate for people to be put off one because of the other. And I don't think they belong to each other. Um, spirituality is hard work and there is no product you can buy to help you with that. So, if, I mean, I think that's, that's your easiest checklist. That's your easiest criteria is if someone's selling you something uh, through the guise of it being somehow connected to spirituality, you can write them off. You don't need anything. You need a cushion and your own mind and your own breath. It's all you need. Um, being healthy is hard work. It's exercise. But unfortunately, again, unless you're a personal trainer that's going to come to my house and make me exercise, you know, there's, there's no really real way to package the ethic of having to look after yourself, but it's much easier to package, you know, uh, supplements and crystals and you need this latest bit of equipment to go for a walk. You know, you just need to walk and do some press ups. Um, but you know, so if, if somebody's spruiking something, trying to sell you something, alarm bell should go off. Um, and yeah, I think be interested to hear your thoughts on the Russell brand thing, but obviously it's not just about him. There's a whole, uh, there's a whole, there's a whole gamut of identikit people using those same tactics. I'm just asking questions. Um, you know, this is just a discussion. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you say about that, but yeah, again, I don't know why spirituality and anti-vax stuff uh, are often conflated. Um, meditation is extremely scientific. Getting vaccinated is an extremely scientific way to fight a virus. Um, these things can go hand in hand, and there's a lot about uh, science that is uh, in huge agreement with spirituality. Quantum physics is fucking crazy. Um, what else? You know, there's. I even read an article the other day about you know there's a new sp scientists think there's a, a parallel universe to ours where time is running backwards and that's how dark matter happens. I mean, what's not spiritual and weird about that? Anyway, I'll stop there. But yeah, um, just take a break from stuff. Don't overconsume. Don't fall down a Russell Brand hole. Don't fall down any hole. Okay, you don't need to be consuming anything uh, daily. Uh, read the news once a month. The world will still be the same in a month's time. Um, don't leap to any sort of conclusion about anything. Don't rush to have an opinion with the Will Smith thing. Again, I talked about this in the live stream, but it's not going to be uh, in this podcast audio. But um, with the with Will Smith thing, it was, it, it was almost a... Uh, you could draw, you know, the correlation was one-to-one -one of like the speed of the take versus how bad it was. Um, you know, it's okay to have a take on something a month after it happened. Um, so relax, breathe, breathe in, breathe out. That is the best thing you can do for yourself and for everyone around you. Um, you don't, there's, there is absolutely 
no connection between trying to meditate and reveal any sort of truth about yourself and worrying about uh, Bill Gates and his relationship with Joe Biden. That's as much about spirituality as um, going to the gym has to do with uh, Facebook's share price. You know, what one earth would you even mention those two things in the same breath? And uh, yeah, you have yourselves a lovely evening and um, chat again soon.